0: Welcome into the Fumbling Punter Podcast. I'm your host Devin Keeney. It has been a full week since I have got to put a podcast out and for that I apologize. I worked 95 hours last week (laughs) so if you guys uh, give me a little bit of forgiveness for missing last week, uh, last week's second podcast that is. It was a little bit of a busy week for me and I do apologize and I'm trying to Trying to stay on track here in the future. Uh, like I said, I've kind of missed an opportunity to get a couple of good guests. Hopefully, I am able to reschedule with them because I know that will be really enjoyable for everyone if we're able to get good guests on. And you're not just listening to me ramble for you know 20, 30 minutes at a time. But it's a fun time of the year for sports fans. You have the NBA playoffs have started, the NHL playoffs are in full swing, and baseball is going. The NFL draft is coming up. Hopefully, we'll get to do some sort of an NFL draft preview special. Uh, something I really look forward to, and hopefully, you all do too. I'm not going to go full milk hyper on you. You know, maybe me and Lucas will end up like. Uh, Mel Kuiper and (laughs) Todd McShay yelling at each other, Todd, Todd, Todd. I don't don't think he's a sure shot first rounder. So that would be very entertaining for everyone. However, for right now, let's talk about the NBA playoffs. So the Spurs are looking really good. They went up 2-0 on Memphis last night. And they are finally getting a little bit of media love from people other than the fumbling punter. They may be Golden State's biggest hurdle in the playoffs. The Warriors look stupid good. And really their only hurdle other than San Antonio is probably going to be themselves. But I listened to Todd Furman, a big Vegas sports betting guy. And he was saying that the field is plus 180 against the Warriors. So basically you put down a dollar eighty and you make a buck. If you pick the other 15 teams in the playoffs against the Warriors. That is insane. I have never heard of odds like that before. Uh, probably the biggest favorite anybody's been to win a title since the Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen Bulls. I I can't back that up. But I, I can't think of anyone else that has been that big of a favorite over everybody else. Even LeBron and D. Wade in Miami weren't that big of favorites on the entire field. It's kind of crazy. And you guys know I am actively rooting against the Warriors at every turn, much to some of our uh, Warrior fan listeners' demise. Moving on, though, Oklahoma City got waxed by the Rockets this weekend. They got beat by 31, and I'm not really surprised. Houston has the better roster, and OKC not switching on those pick and rolls. You're, I mean, you're going to get swept if you keep playing defense like that against James Harden and Mike D'Antoni's offense. By the way, Mike D'Antoni's comeback, still still rolling. Uh, kind of a big surprise to me and anybody who's followed Mike D'Antoni's career. It's been kind of a, a mess at times, I guess would be the nice way to say it. But they looked really good opening up against Oklahoma City. The Celtics lost their home opener with heavy hearts as Isaiah Thomas's sister passed away in the car crash right before the start of the series. That's a very sad loss for... Isaiah and the Celtics family. But don't really sleep on the Bulls, or as I like to call them, the Knicks of the Midwest. Uh Dwayne Wade has more playoff minutes than the entire Boston Celtics roster. Kinda crazy to think about. Uh then Jimmy Butler is either the best player in the series or he's one A, one B with Isaiah Thomas. People kinda forget about Jimmy Butler, the flaming trash heap that the Bulls have tended to be, but Jimmy Butler's a really good player. And then, you know, Rondo's probably wanting a little bit of revenge against Boston. I don't know why they they really liked him there. But Danny Ainge did a good job rebuilding this team, kind of. Uh, real, uh, It was a real quick rebuild, thanks to Brooklyn Nets taking Pierce, KG, and Jason Terry, and then giving the Celtics basically every draft pick they would ever have after that. So the sneaky the sneaky pick in the east is the Wizards to win the conference. Uh you know LeBron and Cavs are the heavily betting betting favorites, but this may be the year for a team like Washington. They would uh they would have to win their opening series and then they would match up with the winner of the Celtics and the Bulls. And, you know most likely get the Cavs in the conference finals, but this could be one of those years where you see a, a like the Wizards sneak in. They uh They've been building for a while now. Haven't had anything really to show for it, but they haven't. They have a couple of nice young pieces there. You know, John Wall, Bradley Beal, and like I said, if it if it's ever going to happen, this seems like this would be the year to try to make a push. It's been great in the second half. Kind of stumbled into the playoffs. Lost the one seed to the Celtics, and so watch out for what's moving forward. So shout out to Quinn Snyder and the Jazz for taking down the Clippers in Game One without Rudy Gobert. Uh, Quinn Snyder may be a low-key NBA Coach of the Year candidate. Quinn and Mike D'Antoni, two huge comeback stories. Quinn got fired from Mizzou, and uh, before you know, he took he was a D League Coach of the Year. He was an assistant under Phil with the Lakers, and then D'Antoni ran the Knicks and the Lakers both into the ground, and they're up in their series. So, a couple of uh, really interesting coaching stories there in the first round of the NBA playoffs, I'm really happy for both Quinn and Dan Tony. D'Antoni really had those fun uh, Phoenix Suns teams with Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire. Those teams were a lot of fun to watch. And the NBA playoffs should wrap up by the 4th of July. <laughs> They're extremely long. I really wish they were still best of five in the first round. So, We'll talk more, hopefully get Anthony, a lead analyst, back on to talk some NBA playoffs here in the future, but for the most part, there aren't a lot of great storylines in the first round of the playoffs, which is why I want to see them go back to five games, but the NBA isn't going to give up the possible revenue of one to three extra games, so we will never see that. Now on to some Major League Baseball news, more specifically St. Louis Cardinal news. The Cardinals are now at four and nine. Three before their win last night, they were three and nine, which is their worst start since 1988. That is pretty alarming for a team that their payroll is 150 million dollars, and this is their team. There's no one coming off the DL to save the team. You can't say, "Oh well, you know, when so and so gets back, that will, you know, they'll be better." They'll have a good three-hole. They'll have a good four-hole. They'll have a better closer. No, their team is healthy. They are who they are. And they're not producing runs. Uh, Adam Wainwright's struggling. The bullpen struggling. Mike Leak has lo- looked really good. And I know that I was famously qu- quoted for saying Mike Leak is Mike Leak, which he's been good, Mike Leek, this year. He's had a couple of really good starts for the Cardinals. Uh, Carlos Martinez, a uh, lot of strikeouts this year. But it almost looks like he's trying to do too much, like he doesn't trust anyone else on the team, and that may be negatively affecting him. But Mike Matheny's seat should start to feel a little warm. I, uh, I don't like the construction of this team. There's no power bat in the middle of the order that scares the pitcher, and you still owe a lot of veterans a lot of money on the team. And nostalgia kind of played into that with the Yadier Molina extension. Uh, Adam Wainwright's drop-off was due to unforeseen the unforeseen Achilles injury. No fault of uh, John Mozeliak or anyone in the front office. It was just kind of a freak accident, and he's had a real hard time rebounding. I don't know what we're going to see out of Waino the rest of his career. I kind of hope he's able to rebound and really finish up strong. He's been a great Cardinal for a long time. and you got to ask yourself, how do they even start to fix this team? There's no holes to bring someone in, maybe at first, but then you have an over overcrowded infield. And it's kind of the same deal with the outfield. I mean, you have your starters in place in theory, but there's just nobody's producing. They The lineup kind of looks like a mess. Uh, you know, unless you have five starting pitchers with an ERA under two and a solid bullpen, this lineup isn't going to win you a lot of games. And when outside of Leek and Martinez, the, well, Lance Lynn pitched really well last night. So I can't say that no one else in the pitching staff is doing worth a hoot, but they don't, they don't have that 2014, 2015 level pitching where the offense doesn't have to score a lot of runs. <clears throat> and I think that may be, that may be hard. They, uh, they need a big bat, but where do you play them? Who do you give up? They have uh, Carson Kelly, DeJong, Reyes, Weaver, Flaherty are all movable young pieces. Excuse me. But do you want to mortgage the future to salvage the present? Because I think it's a little bit of a different argument if, you know, you're, you're closer to the trade deadline and you're right on the verge of being a playoff team and you want to make a play because then you're salvaging your future to make a run at the present. But, I said you're salvaging the future or you're giving up your future to salvage the present. That's a that's a tough call. Do you want to give away your blue chip prospects so that you don't finish 15 games under 500 this year? That's a legitimate question that I think the Cardinals are going to have to ask themselves and where they stand a little bit closer to the trade deadline. I mean, they do have some movable pieces on the team. But you're just, like I said, you owe a lot of older guys a lot of money, know uh, where to play some younger guys. It's a real tough situation for the Cardinals and John Mazeliak and Bill DeWitt in the ownership group. If I were Mike Matheny, two things that I think could help, you, help make this team better today are changing the batting order and sitting Matt Adams starting Randall Gritchick every day. So, Mike Matheny has said that he needs to get Matt Adams' bat involved. Let me tell you what that looks like. Matt Adams is hitting 167 with one RBI, zero extra base hits, and plays shitty defense. Why do you need to get his bat involved? Listen, I like Matt Adams. I think he's a good person. But, (laughs) brass tacks. Get down to brass tacks. The guy has a big swing, a big slow swing, a a lot of holes in it, and pitchers have found that. And so I'm not saying he can't be a great utility player, play once every few days, come off the bench, pitch hit, but he's not a guy you need to be putting out there in left field making your defense worse. Because, first, Randall Gritchick's not a gold-glove left fielder, but your defense is worse with Adams out there. And he's not producing to the point that you need to force him out into the lineup. And so... Mike Matheny I swear as far as the lineup is concerned I would move Matt Carpenter to hit Dexter Fowler second and Diaz third Matt Carpenter has always struggled to hit anywhere but leadoff. I don't know if he's in his own head as far as that's concerned you know he hits third I know he likes to see a lot of pitches which you like to see from a leadoff hitter he doesn't have prototypical leadoff speed but neither does Kyle Schwarber and you know that seems to be working but And then Dexter Fowler is struggling at leadoff. So move him to second. Take some pressure off of him. He just signed a big contract. A lot of guys in new contracts feel like they need to produce because of all the money that they have signed to make. Then uh, Diaz is the team's best hitter. You might as well put him batting third because he's your best hitter right now. I mean, and if you make those three changes, Get Carpenter back into his groove, hitting lead off. Take some pressure pressure off Dex, and then Diaz is your best hitter. You might as well put him in that three hole right now. None of this will happen because Mike Matheny is nothing if not incompetent. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a puff piece guy for Mike Matheny. I'm not gonna be like, oh, you know, Mike's such a great guy. We have maybe a few dozen regular listeners hopefully we grow mike's not coming on the podcast either way so i'm just gonna let it air out it <clears throat> air out as i think it, it's necessary so that's enough of my cardinals bitches for and complaints for the day let's move on to the rest of the league our colorado rockies are off to a hot nine and five start which lucas and i are both pretty pumped about and then I want to I want to talk about Brian Cashman. He has done a terrific job rebuilding the Yankees with trades and young talent. For a long time, I wondered if Brian Cashman was anything other than a guy who wrote big checks to players you knew were really good. But, you know, last year, if you looked at the Yankees, they were old. They were paying uh, Mark Teixeira and A-Rod a lot of money to not produce. Granted, they're still paying A-Rod, but that's just kind of the devil that be. And then they, Tashera retired. Arod was kind of forced into semi-retirement, a consultation role. Traded Andrew Miller, uh, a Chapman, uh, Chapman, and got some blue chip prospects. And the Yankees are looking scarily close to their next dynasty run. Uh, they have Judge, Hicks, Bird, uh, San- Gary Sanchez, great catcher. And then they still have Glyber Torres, who they got in the Chapman deal, and Clint Frazier, who they got in the Andrew Miller trade, still looking to come up. So this team has a lot of young talent. You know they're going to have a lot of money to spend once you know Arod's money's off the books. Uh, I think they still have Ellsbury for a few more years, but they're going to have some cap room to play with. And there's that big free agency class coming up here in the next couple of years, and. The Yankees may have a good core and add another, you know, add a Bryce Harper or a Manny Machado and the Yankees look real damn scary. So, good job to Brian Cashman. I think he's done a really good job with his scouts and his talent evaluators. And he hasn't built this team on just giving guys blank checks. Uh, All these guys have either been drafted or acquired in trades and he's done a terrific job. So, kudos to Brian Cashman and the Yankees front office. So that's all the baseball notes I have. Now let's get into some Stanley Cup playoff notes. Nashville took a commanding 3-0 series lead over the top-seeded Chicago Blackhawks behind strong goalie play from Pekka Renee. I almost could not pronounce his name, Pekka Renee. And uh, Renee has been much like the human wall Jake Allen, who has also led the Blues to a 3-0 series lead over Minnesota. But for the Predators to do what they've done against the Blackhawks has been beyond impressive to me, and I'm kind of scared to see the Blues match up with them potentially in the second round just because of how well they've handled the Blackhawks. But moving on to the Blues, what what a job the Blues have done top to bottom. Uh, Marty Brodeur has helped Jake Allen look like a young Marty Brodeur. Uh Mike Yeo with the uh, stones to sit the 4.75 million dollar man Yori Laterra for the younger, faster Zach Sanford. I love that move. Uh, you know, I was listening to the Game Time guys, Jeff Jones and our good friend Brad Lee. They were talking yesterday about you know Ken Hitchcock would have never done that, and so I think that's pretty cool that you know Mike Yeo has enough confidence in Sanford and himself to put him out there and not feel like he's handcuffed to yori literra then uh the defenseman stepping up in a big way edmondson with two goals this series pareko with one vladimir Savoka has came back and played really well uh Avon has played so well centering the schwartz tarasenko line i'm cautiously optimistic about the blues in these playoffs and Moving forward, they've looked really good. Uh, kind of all the pieces have started to fit together, both with their skaters and their defensemen. Uh, you know, of course, strong goaltending helps quite a bit. And then another playoff series, the Caps have found themselves down 2-1 to one to Toronto. And, whew, I uh, did not see that coming. And I saw a funny Twitter poll where 97% of Washington Capital fans were extremely nervous about the series. And as a blues fan, I totally know exactly where they're coming from. Uh the Caps of course won the president's trophy for the you know, the top regular season team, and they have just been haunted by ghost of playoffs past and the young Leafs have played them extremely well. And ooh it does not seem to be a good time. The only reason this is such a story is just because of how loaded the Capitals are. You know, they have Alex Ovechkin, T.J. Yoshi, and TJ and then they went and got Chevin, Kevin Shattenkirk. I apologize for my fumbling rounds there, and they have not looked so great. So a new segment I'm going to do for the playoffs are my top four and bottom four Power rankings based on solely on what they've done. The regular season is irrelevant in these. It's just how teams have looked and my rankings. So here we go for the top four. I have co-number ones. Uh, the first number one is Nashville. They're up three-zero on the top Western Conference seed, Chicago Blackhawks. I think they've played real well as a team. Pekka Renee has really taken them to a whole new level. And so they are sitting atop my playoff rankings. My co number one is the Blues, who are up three zero on Minnesota. They uh, they played extremely well Sunday. They played pretty even with Minnesota and got the win in Game Two. And then Jake Allen just willed them to a victory in Game One. So I have the Blues tied at number one with Nashville. Now my number three team, uh, number three top team, is the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're up 3-0 on Columbus. There was a lot of chatter about them being hurt headed into the playoffs, and Columbus had a really good year, and then the Pens are just putting it to them, uh, up 3-0 on the Blue Jackets. Then my, rounding out my top four is the Anaheim Ducks. They're up 3-0 on Calgary after a great comeback last night. They, uh, you know, they're one game away, just like these other three teams from moving on to the conference quarterfinals. So I have... Co number one's Nashville and St. Louis. Number three, Pittsburgh. Number four, Anaheim. For my top four. On to my bottom four rankings of the playoffs. So I'm gonna four, three, two, one is basically the order I'm gonna do. Number one is gonna be the worst team. So number four are the San Jose Sharks. They are the defending Western Conference champs, down one games to two to the young Edmonton Oilers. That lands them in my fourth worst team in the playoffs third worst the Washington Capitals and you could make a case for them to be a little bit lower on this list just because of how good of a regular season they've had and no one expected this from Toronto to be up 2-1 on Washington so that lands them in my third worst spot my second worst spot belongs to the Chicago Blackhawks and there is a pretty damn good case you could make for them to be the last ranked team in this They had zero goals in their first two games versus Nashville, and then they blew a 2-0 lead last night and lost that game in overtime. So that lands them as my second worst team. My worst team in the playoffs are the Calgary Flames. They blew a game three lead against Anaheim at home, and they are just one game away from elimination. So my bottom four, Calgary, Chicago, Washington, and San Jose. So I am currently working on a series for my site, FumblingPunter.com, called Relocation Expansion in Pro Sports. I'll, if you guys haven't gotten a chance, I highly encourage you to check that out. It's been a fun piece for me, uh, You know, not too serious, a lot of hypotheticals, a lot of what I think. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, first three parts are out, and today I'll be finishing up part four, which is the NFL. So give that a check out at fumblingpunter.com. And then send any questions, comments to me on Twitter at fumblingpunter. Uh, I've really enjoyed some good interaction with you guys that have been listening and reading for this whole time. Uh, hopefully we'll get some guests and staff members back on here soon. Uh, hopefully life starts slowing down a little bit and we're able to do a lot more with Fumbling Punter. So for that's all I got for today's show. I'm your host, Devin Keeney. Everybody have a good week.